0: Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going?
1: I'm doing good, Henry, just trying to keep warm in this freaking insane cold weather. (laughs) You know, one one day it's raining, then it's snowing, but... I'm glad to be indoors where it's warm, talking with you guys. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah, you know, us Californians can't handle this kind of weather, man. <laughs> We're not We're used fr- to this.
1: We're freaking out.
0: Yeah, we can't handle <laughs> real winter weather. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how it goes?
2: Well, it's... It's going well. Also, uh, staying warm and not used to all this hail and being <laughs> pelted by it. Yeah. Okay. This is the
0: Comic Sauce Podcast. Find us at Comic Sauce Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Today is February 24th, 2023. And we're going to be talking about Ant Man and the Wasp quantum mania the latest mcu film release yeah the three of us just saw this last week opening night friday night and uh we're gonna get into all the nitty-gritty details today okay so like we often do let's talk a little bit about expectations What were your expectations going into this movie? Uh, You know, we had just seen uh, Wakanda Forever not long ago. So, you know, it wasn't a long time between MCU movie releases. Um, But I think anytime there's a a new MCU movie, there's a bit of excitement, a bit of of hype. Um, But uh, yeah, what were your expectations? Uh, How about you, Porfirio? Let's start with you.
1: I was low key excited. I mean, I feel like you guys already know my enjoyment of the Ant Man character and the films, um. So you know, like Ant Man is just one of those like franchise films where you could just like, it's time to just like step away from like the seriousness of the MCU and just be like, here's something lighthearted about a superhero who shrinks to the size of an ant and can talk with them but super freaking strong <laughs> and so um but this film like going into it was gonna was giving a different vibe because it was the beginning of phase five of the multiverse Sega going on in the MCU and it was kind of I guess like the low key introduction of King the Conqueror who's supposed to be the next big baddie after Thanos for the yeah. Avengers and the right. MCU so um, I feel like just watching the trailers there's a little bit more at stake in this film and I feel like this the Ant-Man 3 was going to be like the um, stepping stone for how the MCU was going to be played out
0: right on how about you christian what were your expectations
2: yeah i was also excited for this one going into it it's like profira says this is uh like the start of phase five a new phase and um it was the introduction of kang i think going back to our like um a previous episode we did last month of what we're excited for I remember being real excited for MODOK this is the introduction of MODOK as well yeah. and they teased him a little bit in the trailer as like as well as like we get to see more of our big bad they teased him in Loki uh, and this was like his real introduction in the movies mm-hmm. as well as like um, you know they like tease this whole like fun Star Wars-ish adventure uh, in the quantum realm you got to see more of. Uh, you got to see. Oh, well, you know, you get to see more of Janet, and you get to see, and like what she's been doing with down there. And it felt like they they kind of teased more and more of the quantum realm with, with Ant Man one and two. Like in one, they just kind of like mentioned it very briefly. I think he goes there very briefly at the very end, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and then leaves. Um, and then in the second one, they're trying to get in, and of course he gets trapped there, at the you know at the very end of the movie. Uh, only to you know come back in end game uh, to do the whole time di- the whole time travel adventure and so this feels a bit like a nat- you know a bit of a natural progression of the series to have a full movie in the quantum realm and so yeah I was excited to see where it was uh, or see kind of what they had in store and what they were gonna do with um, all these new characters cool.
0: Um, yeah, I was looking forward to this one also. You know, I'm not the hugest fan of the first two Ant-Man movies, but kind of like what we've been saying, uh the Kang Factor definitely had my curiosity. You know, I'm uh this is like we've been saying, uh the the start of phase five. We know that there's going to be a movie called Avengers the Kang Dynasty so we know this character is going to be a huge figure in the MCU and um this is this was going to be our our first big taste of him right so uh i was really curious to see what was going to happen um so yeah maybe expectations a bit low on the Ant-Man side but Hi for the Kang side. Right? <laughs> uh so uh yeah, that's kind of how I was uh going into this one. All right. So then we saw the movie all together, and um let's talk about the movie itself. So let's give the spoiler alert. Spoilers are fair game for Ant-Man 3 here. So you've been warned. Uh we will be getting the plot points and and whatnot yeah um so let's start with what we liked what did you like about this movie uh want you start on this one too
1: yeah sure i think i like the the humor that's continued with the film you know like again like scott playing and ant-man though that's just a character that it's just funny the screenwriters know it's a funny It's it's a character that knows it's a ridiculous and um i'm really glad they continued that um personality with in the film and you know they they mentioned it very briefly like in the, um the beginning of the film but like what happens after the blip um about like you know getting back into society and stuff and it's just kind of like ridiculous like um scott lang being like employee the month at baskin robbins and even releasing an autobiography about uh his character you know it felt very much like uh the boys i guess you know Mm -hmm. like about um being a superhero in everyday life versus just like just doing a superheroes like in like just big events you know um so it was fun
2: yeah like i i think paul rudd does put a like a pretty good performance in and he's very comfortable with the the character like, he's, re- he's a really good everyman and kind of plays that well. Um, and, like, it's it is kind of, he's like a little, he's pretty high in himself at the very beginning of the movie. And, like, there's all, but there's like a lot of like good, like little moments. I think one moment uh, of his that I thought was really funny was when he interacts with the ooze guy and he's <laughs> like, How many holes do you have? You seven. And then you see him like kind of stop and like think about it for a minute. And then he's, Oh, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think there's like little moments like that, you know, kind of strewn throughout the movie where you're, he does get to shine. Like, I feel like this movie has, like, some of the most Ant-Man in it, like, or the most, like, S- Scott, you know?
1: Okay, wait. So when he said Seven Holes, what Seven Holes were you thinking of?
2: Two <laughs> okay, um, Two years.
1: Okay. The nostrils.
2: Okay. The mouth is five. Uh, mouth is five. Uh-huh. And then the the butt and uh, the genitalia, seven. What about the eyes? Isn't that technically <laughs> holes also? Uh, because there's th- the holes, the eye holes are filled with with the eyeballs. So I don't know <laughs> if I call them holes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, my, my
0: thinking was exactly the same as Christian's.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean, like, belly button as well. Ooh. But that, that's oh, kind of, yeah. I don't know how much that counts. That <laughs> no, might be yeah. the seventh one.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, when he said seven holes, I was like, at first I thought the eyeballs, so I was like, wait, is he thinking of the eyeballs? Because that is seven holes. But then I was like, wait is he also thinking about the butt? <laughs> I was like which one I, that was a mind of the song that I had to like
2: think I was like yeah, you, you to remember like wait is, I, I guess, okay I think he's right <laughs> exactly <laughs> and like you, you know it's funny cuz like he had to think about it and you're like you spend like a good minute on his face as he's like Thinking think about it. it before he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You <laughs> will like remind himself. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he's really good also at like kind of playing off some of the other characters. Uh Kang for the more serious moment. Uh The telepath, I think, kind of towards the beginning of the movie. Like, like he make like he's a good centerpiece character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, even for himself when like there's uh I really like the scene where he's uh in that like probability field and like he just keeps multiplying. Oh yeah. And he has to like kinda of play off himself and there's like the version of him that's with the Baskin Robbins. And like he just has to like go off different versions of himself and then they kind of move together at the end, like an ant mm-hmm. colony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, what else was good? Um, there were a lot of characters in this movie. You know, we see a lot of returning cast. Uh Scott Lang, Hope Van Dyne, Janet Van Dyne, Hank Pym, um, but uh, you know, a lot a lot of new characters as well. Of course, Kang the Conqueror. Um, not he who remains, but the actual Kang, right? Um, Cassie Lang played by a new uh, actress. Um, any any standouts in in terms of the cast? Who did we like uh, from the cast?
2: Um, the first one that does really come to mind here is uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Here, um, I think he like he is a good villain, and I think that. Um, there's really that a lot that he kind of has in his performance where he has, he's he can be like unhinged, but also very calm at times. Um, and I think he, he does have a very intimidating presence when he could just like talk slowly. And I yeah, think there's yeah. like, when he's like trying to make the deal with, uh, with Scott, with Scott Lang and, He's like, I can give you more time, and the way he talks about time is like a circular entity. And if you help him, he can bring you back to different moments in time. But right. then, uh, you know, he goes, he goes back on his deal. Um, and of course, he has his more unhinged super villainy type moments as well that I think he does he does well. Um, I wasn't there. I do a you know some problems with, I think, what where they go with Kang, but I do think Jonathan Majors does does kill it here, you know? Yeah,
1: I agree with Christian. I feel like, you know, I, I was going to kind of save Kang for, like, stuff I didn't like, but I will say that Jonathan Majors' performance as Kang was really um, good and convincing. You know, like, mm-hmm. he played the role and I was totally convinced, like, dude, like, this is like total, like, cool. I'm a badass villain vibes, you know, like, fear me, you know. Like, I was, like, he was tolling his element, and I was, I was buying it, and um, I had, like, I guess similar to what Krishna was saying, I had, uh, similar dislikes to what the direction they had with king as the movie progressed but um like no i i I just can't see any actor pulling off king more than any any better than what jonathan did
0: yeah uh great points both of you i'm totally in agreement um i did have some issues also with what they did with the character let's get it and get into that later Uh, But yes, um, Jonathan Majors is great in this role. And I feel pretty good about him being the next major Avengers villain because he's got the acting chops and kind of what you're alluding to, Christian. He has this great calm to him. It's almost kind of eerie, right? And uh, yeah, he's just a, a strong presence, a strong force and uh yeah a worthy adversary to the avengers i think um so on that level you know i i think it, uh, this character worked in sort of getting us prepped for for uh future great stuff um yeah yeah good performance from uh jonathan majors um uh so i I would add too. Um, I really liked uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. Uh, she hasn't done a whole lot in the MCU, um, but she actually had a lot to do in this movie, and um, I was pretty compelled. You know, I wanted to know what was next for Janet Van Dyne, and um, she looked really great. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer is a veteran actress. She's up there in age, but she looked fantastic. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I was, um, I was, uh, really like interested in, in her story. Yeah. And, um, she has a great presence to her too. So I thought she was great. The original Wasp. Yeah. Um, any other call outs for the cast? What about, uh, what about Paul Rudd as, as Ant-Man himself? How do we feel about him in this movie?
2: Um, i but well, I, I do really like Paul Rudd. I really like Ant-Man. Um, I guess another... I, d- I do have another shout-out. But this one is, I think, more of a mixed bag. But... Because uh, mm-hmm. there's good... Uh, there's things that I like about this character. Things that I didn't like. So I'll talk about the good. Uh, and, of course, that's Modok. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, the other big bad of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. With the big twist. H- him being um, Darren... Um, yellow, yellow jacket, um, from the first movie. Um, they actually brought a villain back, uh, yep, and and like had him be Modoc. And all will admit, like, there's a kind of an uncanniness to the way Modoc was. His CGI looked a little weird, and there, I have some problems with kind of what they did with his character as well. But I actually, he actually got some good laughs out of me, I think, especially kind of towards the beginning. When like he first appears and you see his like very uncanny looking face and now uh, he's talking and then you kind of see him being born or <laughs> built, you know, uh, I got a good chuckle out of that. And I think him at him at like the very beginning, uh, you know, I kind of like it's something I did. I did enjoy, but um, I think some of my problems with Modoc kind of come on later <laughs> in the movie.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I'm on the same playing field as Christian. Like, I I think when M.O.D.O.K. was first introduced, you know, like, he was kind of seen, like, as a big threat. And I was like, oh, okay, here's, like, Marvel, like, making one of their, like, most ridiculous characters actually seem like a threat. And then when you see, like, his face, you're just kind of like, this is ridiculous, you know, but... Um, you know, like, he had, like, actually pretty good lines in the beginning about, like, why he was doing what he was doing and everything, so it kind of made sense, and it plays into that humor that Ant-Man is known for. But then, yeah, as the, as the movie progressed, like, too much of that humor is relied on, and because of that, like, it totally took away from that, like, seeing him as like this like uh as a major threat like compared to when he was first introduced because he was taking down like ships and <clears throat> and like um characters from the quantum realm and stuff like single handedly and then like you know as as more and more of that humor is rubbed off from him like it was Kind of hard to see him as a big threat again, so but we could talk about that later.
0: <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Modoc, um, I loved Modoc in this movie, man. Uh, I thought the Modoc stuff was the funniest stuff in the entire movie, and um, he looks totally ridiculous <laughs> and uh, in kind of a good way, I think, because um, first off. Uh, M.O.D.O.K. is very comics accurate. You know, M.O.D.O.K. is a really ridiculous looking character in the comic books. And um, they did a faithful adaptation here. And he looks just as ridiculous here (laughs) in a live action movie. And um, and they kind of uh, play with that. You know, they they have this kind of self-awareness with it where, you know, the characters in the movie comment on how big his face is and how silly he looks with the tiny arms and legs. And um, I just had a lot of fun with this character. Um, yeah, it is. I guess it is kind of weird that he's supposed to be so dangerous, but but he ends up being just kind of a joke. Um, but uh, ultimately I think, you know, the existence of MODOK in this movie really added to the movie and um i had a lot of fun with with Monarch here no question um what else uh, anything else we liked about this one
2: hmm. yeah uh, the call outs yeah just like i guess a quick call out um i know uh we might talk about problems with the C cg later on but um i actually th- i i did enjoy like the the art style of the quantum realm i think that uh it it combines like kind of your star Wars alien planet with like the human body and like, kind of like creatures have this very kind of weirdest kind of look. There's of course, you're like ooze guy who looks like a just bacteria, you know, you have, <laughs> I think they, they, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the telepath who really hated being a telepath. <laughs> there was like a, there was a funny little joke in there and like the guy who looks like broccoli and like I like there's kind of all these like kind of weird out there styles um and like there are some some very nice looking backgrounds the CG was a little spotty in some places of course uh but I think like I enjoyed the overall like style that they were going for and I had had fun with that I think that adds to like the kind of the fun and uh, makes for some good like visual gags
0: Yeah, thoughts on the visuals,
2: you Um, I feel like it's more
1: of a negative, so I'll save my thoughts. Save that, that. (laughs) okay? Uh, But I will say, like, I the story wise, I will say that I think that's what, um, is like making me like recommend this film to people because the story, you know, like like we said earlier, this is the kickoff to phase five it's part of like these like multiverse saga and so i feel like it was it like as you watch the film yeah you're totally kind of taken away from like that ant-man good humor and put more in like a serious tone like there's actually something at stake when ant-man fights king and i feel like this is all, like this kind of um tension is gonna only gonna be elevated from here as we watch more of the multiverse saga play out. And like if this is just like a small preview, I'm like very interested and sold. You know, it 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 just felt like, you know, like when we started like phase two, how they introduced like the reality stone and like the power stone, you're just like nitpick like, okay, I think I see what directions they're going into. So I'll keep watching. And so this is how I felt for this saga with this movie, you know?
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Just a quick note on the visuals on my end. Um, Yeah. I thought the visuals were cool initially at, at least. Um, you know I, I love me some psychedelic imagery and um you know we were definitely taken to you know an otherworldly looking location and it was a cool escape um but I think I don't know it it kind of got old for me pretty quickly so we talked a bit about the beginning where, were reintroduced to scott lang and and his wacky world and his his uh his funny moments in san francisco um but that's just the beginning pretty much like once we get into the quantum realm which is early in the movie we're there for the whole movie um so I feel like well it's cool when we first get there but then it soon became apparent that we're going to be here the whole movie <laughs> and that's when I felt like well this is getting a little a little stale. Um it made me think a little bit about way back in the first Thor movie um Asgard in the first Thor movie was used kind of sparingly. We see it in the beginning and we see it at the end um but you know for most of the movie we're you know we're here On earth right um so when we were in asgard it really popped right the visuals were like striking um whereas here we were in the i thought we were in the quantum realm too much right so the the cool like psychedelic visuals um kind of wore off on me a bit so initially it was good but then the trick kind of got old on me a little bit uh so good good segue to uh, some of the negatives Um, that was a bit of a negative to me that maybe was like there was too much quantum realm for me. Um, But what, what do you guys think? Uh, Any other, uh, any uh, negatives to call out for for this film?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like going off what you're saying, Henry, like I think the quantum realm honestly felt very CGI compared to Hmm. um, like even the first Ant-Man film. You know, like we're when yeah. we're introducing the first one, when Scott Lang goes into the quantum realm. I don't know if it was just because, like, it was the first time us as viewers are witnessing it, but it just looked so much incredibly like, um, visually better. Like the mm-hmm. graphics were a lot better, but this time, I just felt like it was a joke. You know, like, yeah. um the quantum realm was just like this like place where the writers are just like, we need to have it here to yeah. explain this uh next saga that we're going into. And so the majority of the effects just look really cheesy and kind of bad, you know, it just looked like, um, and I mean like, it, yeah, it didn't help like that. The actors weren't, uh, what's the word? I guess like playing with the quantum realm because like it just looked really, really obvious that they were put in front of a green screen and were just like this is supposed to be like some weird psychedelic shit happening behind mm-hmm. you, you know, and so like they were just not like into it, you know so it just looked really out of place and it took away from the fantasy of the storyline, you know? Got it.
2: Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I definitely see what you mean. I like, well, I like, you know, like some of the characters and art style was good. The, like the CGI looks spotty in places. Put it, put that kind of puts it lightly. <laughs> like, because w- when you're, it's just in a green screen and you have, and when it doesn't look, you know, great you're you notice you know it definitely you definitely it definitely like pulls you out at times and you kind of think about what you're seeing and like eh, it doesn't look totally real and mm-hmm. you think that you're watching actors on a green screen especially when they have to interact at some points with what's going on and I'm like uh because there's so much and there's no cutaway, like what Henry mentioned? Like it, it it's, it, it doesn't look, it uh, uh, doesn't look like they're actually there. It looks like you're watching actors. Like I said, and I think there's another kind of problem that also pops up. I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cuts in this movie. This movie's edited kind of weird as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the pacing of the movie feels kind of off to kind of add to that. Like, add to that green screen kind of feeling you know like you're mm-hmm. watching the prequels the star the star wars prequels or uh i think the biggest comparison i've heard was spy kids 3d <laughs> was was the big one a movie that i actually really liked as a kid as, <clears> as well as well as the star wars prequels but like i see i see what it is where it's something more like thor ragnarok You didn't really notice because a lot of the elements kind of worked better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree.
1: Like, the editing was just... It was so weird. Yeah, like, I don't know what was going on with the editing because, like, there were some scenes where, like, you know, like, Hope would be, like, laying down because she got, like, knocked out or something. And then the very next shot, she's, like, standing right up. Like, nothing happened. Or... Mm -hmm. um. Or about, like, certain, like, character reactions or something like... Like, something about the editing was just, like, throwing me off. And, it again, just took me out of that, like, fantasy of the the film.
2: Yeah, there's one scene in particular. Um, I found it... I, so, I read about it on the internet and I kind of, like, ended up seeing this movie a second time. And I know... I picked it up then, but it's when... Scott has to drink the ooze. He's getting taken, uh, carried off by the the uh, the rebels, and then his uh, Cassie says, "You have to drink the ooze, Dad." And then the scene stops, and then you kind of get another, and then it goes back to to Janet and uh, her little crew as they're just kind of exploring. I think that's when they get their ride, and you have an entire scene with them that kind of stops and ends and has to be an end. And then you kind of go back to Scott as they pick up immediately where they left off. And you have a... And then it kind of cuts in the middle of that where he has to drink the ooze. Yeah. And then he cuts again away after he like starts drinking the ooze to Janet again as there's like an entirely new scene with them. And then it cuts back to Scott as he Understands, and then he talks to the guy with holes. And that's like three different scenes chopped up over like a lot of different, like a much longer period of time. Where it's one quick one scene with them interspersed with three completely different scenes with other characters mm-hmm. over a longer, what would probably be a much longer span of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's stuff like that where it gets really weirdly choppy in a lot of places.
1: Yeah, I, I def- definitely noticed that for sure. Henry.
0: Yeah, interesting points for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, Christian, you mentioned Cassie Lang. Uh, let's talk about this character a little bit. Um, so somewhat famously, uh this character was recast. The Cassie Lang actress in this movie is a different actress than we saw from well any mcu movie but notably it's not the one from endgame right um and a lot of people myself included were wondering why you know and i was like that kind of that kind of sucks you know like messed up yeah (laughs) why, why is there a different actress and like the original actress from endgame like apparently didn't get a call from Marvel. She found out about the recasting through the internet or something. So the whole thing kind of felt kind of messed up. Shady. Shady. Good, good, good word there. <laughs> um, but in my mind, I was thinking, well, if they recast this character, there's probably a good reason for it. So let's watch the movie and see. Um, maybe there was something that this new actress could bring to the table that was, you know pretty special whatever um and i i didn't i didn't see anything special here (laughs) so um yeah the the actress who played cassie in this movie is katherine newton i should call out the other actress too uh cassie lang from endgame is emma Furman. Uh, and um yeah you know i i didn't really get much out of this new cassie at all and it was a pretty big role she had a lot of screen time She got to become a superhero. Um, I mean, I don't think they ever named her stature, but she became stature in this movie, essentially, right? Um, But I don't know. I found the character kind of annoying, kind of bratty. Um, And the bottom line for me was in a very brief moment in Endgame when we see Scott Lang return to Earth from the quantum realm, um, and he goes to the that blip memorial thing and he's scrambling to find his family's names. And he only finds his own name, right? Scott Lang. And then he rushes back home and he's reunited with Cassie. And it's a really emotional scene. Like, you know, it's, it's almost like, it almost kind of welled up when he sees her and he's like, you're so big, right? And this great, it's this great reunion. Like that, the emotional weight of that scene I didn't get any of that in this entire movie. (laughs) And there was a lot of like father, daughter, um, uh, Scott Lang, Cassie Lang interactions. And they were going for emotional stuff. But I didn't I didn't feel any of it. Like I didn't I didn't get any uh, of the emotional weight of that relationship in this movie. So. Um. Yeah, and me, it, and it, it bummed me out even more because I was like, they really didn't need to recast this character. I feel. So, any thoughts on on Cassie Lang?
1: Yeah, like, just what's her name, Catherine? Yeah, Catherine Newton. Yeah, like her performance, I felt was very like mediocre at best, and not to like blame her for how the character turned out or anything like that, but I. Yeah, like like you said, Henry, like I don't see why they needed to have recasted the character and
0: yeah.
1: two, yeah, like the, the character, the way it was she was written, I was just kind of annoyed with her like bratty um attitude, I guess. Cause you know, like when we're first introduced to her, she is in jail for being part of a protest. And then she kind of has, like, this, like, personality of, like, looking out for the little guy, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. like a Peter Parker wannabe kind of look personality, but it's just not clicking, you know, the whole time she's just saying, like, she's telling her father, like, we need to help these people, like, nobody's helping them, we need to, like, make like this, like, um, call to the quantum realm to help them and stuff, and it just feels very much like they're trying to make us like her, like force feeding us mm-hmm. into like yeah. her. And it's just not cl- organically clicking, you know, like it just so it just feels very scripted. And um, the only time I guess like I felt like the character worked was when Ant Man, Wasp, and Cass- Cassie like team up and fight against um, King. Like that was like the only scene I cared about her. But outside of that, like I just felt like she was very like annoying. To be- to put it in better terms,
0: mm-hmm. uh, I would add to uh, real quick, Christian, um, that most likely we will be seeing. This actress again, yeah, as Cassie Lang slash stature, uh, stature, uh, in uh some sort of Young Avengers team up, right? Because Mm -hmm. we we have Billy and Tommy Maximoff, Elijah Bradley, Kate Bishop, America Chavez. I mean, they're clearly building up this Young Avengers team, right? So, uh, that should be said too, and maybe even more kind of disappointing that it's just sort of a lukewarm intro to this character uh but go ahead christian
2: yeah um i agree with everything you guys have said um i have another thing that this kind of making me think like it, it feels like is marvel having too many movies that are centered around um teenage prodigies that like that are like these big science techs Ooh, you know, because you had, you we, like we literally had two in the last movie, yep. Shuri and Ironheart. Uh, of course, uh, the biggest movie of Phase Four was about Peter Parker, a
1: mm-hmm. teenage
2: prodigy yep. who's a science wizard. Yep. Um, technically, there were three Peter Parkers in the movie. Also, <laughs> yeah, three Peter Parkers <laughs> in the movie. Not to mention, like Peter Parker's friends are also like smart enough to get into MIT.
0: Yep, yep. Like, Med- Ned is a tech whiz, you
2: know? So, yeah. You Ned know, yeah, yeah. and MJ, like, mm-hmm. both get into MIT. <laughs> and, like, you know, and now on this one, they have Cassie, who is, like, they just kind of throw out, oh, well, she actually has been working on tech to interface with the quantum realm in her spare time. And, like, it feels like it's kind of becoming a trope. Of course, it's, you know, uh, I guess I'll say disclaimer. It's good that they have... Uh like these can be role models for kids to look up to. Like, oh hey, yeah, you could be a superhero if you're into science. And I kinda get there's a bit of a through line there, um, as a way, but I feel like I've also seen that it's like you kind of see this so many times mm-hmm. that it feels like, okay, everybody here is this massive, you know, everybody's <laughs> a genius. Uh, by the
0: way, uh, Moon Girl just dropped on Disney Plus as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Also, another genius, another teenage
0: genius. Yeah. So
2: don't, uh,
1: yeah. Don't for, don't forget Miss Marvel. Also. yeah, Miss oh,
2: yeah. uh, Mar- Marvel,
1: <laughs> and, and that one white dude, you know who, right, right, who's also a genius, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, a
0: lot of, t- lot of teenage geniuses out there,
2: and even though. <laughs> Uh, Of course, and of course, uh, like, they still have to introduce Reed Richards, another major genius, not probably not going to be a teenager, but still like it's kind of like a character. I think you're starting to see like so many times and it's like, oh, yeah, another, you know, another genius that knows a (laughs) lot of, you know, like uh, it it feels like it's like it's like it's a trope that feels tired at this point. Mm hmm. Is, is, I guess, what I'm getting at. <laughs> That's a great call out.
0: Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, thinking about it a little deeply, a, a little deeper, the, the Cassie Lang character was cool because she was just a regular girl, right? And, you know, this family already had a lot of superheroes <laughs> in it, um, but uh, they had to add another one, I guess. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's like a, a whiz, also. <laughs> so. What can you do? Uh, and yeah. Any other negatives in the movie we want, we want to call out?
2: Hmm. I guess. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into what we didn't like about Kang that we were oh, teasing. Sure? Yeah. Let's yeah. Go, Christian. Start. Start the fire. Start. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was. I guess I was a little disappointed in kind of the way Kang was kind of written towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that while well, Jonathan Majors, you know, great and like really like kind of carried the movie. I do think like one is I think when he goes a little bit too cackling supervillain towards the end. I think he proposes this interesting deal with Scott that really kind of fall that I thought they were going to go somewhere with that they tease that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of goes back on it and just been like, oh, I'm do it. I'm going to kill your daughter, you know, supervillainy type stuff. And then, like, oh, I'm going back on this deal just because just because I'm an evil guy. Yeah. You know. Um, and of course he shows us his badass powers, uh, where he can like stop people in their tracks, he shoots laser beams that disintegrate people, and none of it works against the heroes. You, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> none That's of right. it works against the hero. <laughs> and then, like, in the final battle, you know, he just punches Ant-Man, you know. Like, of course, he has a suit, and there's, like, a suit gives him his, of powers, and the suit's disintegrated, but still, it felt like a bit of a cop-out, and, um, no oh, we've already given the spoiler warning. I didn't, you know, I don't, we don't know if this is true or not, they could, they're probably gonna bring him back, but they, like, they really shouldn't have killed him in the movie, he goes out like a chump. You know, he's this, like, big Avengers-killing yeah. bad guy. He's like, did I kill you before? I've killed so many Avengers. Loses yeah. to ants. Loses to literal ants. Yeah. You know, and then, and then like, loses the, the fist fight while, I, while everyone gets back with no casualties, you know? And it's like, at the end, when they're bringing back all the Kangs, they're like, well, Kang the Conqueror is dead. He might come back. He should come back, because... Like you know, seeing the whole council, I was like, eh, "This is like kind of goofy." I don't care about any of these characters. I care about mm-hmm. Kang King. the Conqueror that we yeah. saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yep. I care about that one, and they've already. This is the second Kang they've killed off. So if they bring up a new Kang as the big bad Kang, like it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna work the same way. They they pulled the trick twice. Yeah. Like, but like a third time isn't going to work it, it ha- they this Kang has to come back so that might be a negative because it could follow it up but i also that was something I just didn't really like of where they took the character so that's my little bit so what do you guys think
1: no I agree 100% like I that was a big turnoff for me at the end because like like you said like King like kind of teases how big of a baddie he is throughout the film like like, yeah, like, I've killed so many Avengers or, like, the, even that whole discussion with like like, um, Michelle Pfeiffer about, like, his intentions and how big of a baddie he is, you know, like, and, yeah, the whole lasers thing. I thought, like, he was going to be way more of a threat to Ant-Man and the, the Quantum Realm. And so it was kind of a big letdown the way he's taken out, you know, by just, like, when wasp and ant-man both like um push him against the um the core reactor right Mm -hmm. and how he like disappears and i was like no (laughs) no that's it like i i thought for sure he was gonna like escape into like the other reality i thought you know you know when that one scene where they all have like the 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 rebellion at the end yeah, I thought it was. I thought it would would have been like way more like powerful. It was like you know, if King like shot his lasers and shut that rebellion down very fast. Then I would have been like, "Whoa, this guy's a big threat, a big Ooh, deal." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, I, I would really like that. That's that's a good idea. Like big Thanos threat. I really kind of have would have preferred if Ant Man three ended like on like a Infinity War um ending where like the bad guy wins you know the whole Mm -hmm. point was like to keep king inside the quantum realm i kind of would have preferred like he fucks shits up he shuts down the rebellion he like leaves ant-man and wasp in the quantum realm and he's the one who escapes you know Mm. and then like and then scott and wasp are like fuck what do we do next like i think King would have been seen as a bigger threat, and there would have been so much more stake if the movie ended with the villain winning instead of the superhero. Yeah. Um, because even like Ant Man kind of like hints it at the restaurant, he's like, Did I get rid of King? Did I not? You know, like, so I feel like there was like that little, like, like you said, Christian, like, little, like, is he actually gone or not? Because then you know we get that post credit scene of all the other kings but like you said christian like i don't care for any of these other variants i want to see king the conqueror cuz you build a whole movie up to him and how big of a badass he is like none of these other kings have any character development like i don't care for any of these i want to see <laughs> king the conqueror
0: yeah, man, I am totally agreeing with both of you right now. Um I didn't like how it all went down for Kang in this movie. So what you're proposing, Perferio is is pretty drastic, you know, turning this into a a total downer kind of movie like Infinity War. Yes. <laughs> um and I and don't get me wrong, I th- I think that would be amazing, but I think, you know, the the tone of the movie yeah they, they had to have like a happy ending for this movie it's an ant-man movie and they're setting up um you know uh like uh scott and cassie you know um kind of like resolving their issues at the end and and all that stuff right so i think it had to have a happy ending but the the uh, they could have done a lot better than what they they gave us here i think right because of what we've been saying. Like, this guy Kang is, like, going to be the big Avengers threat, right? So, he can't be going out like this. He, he's gotta be a stronger presence. Um, okay, so this reminds me a bit of a conversation we had about Thanos and Side, right? Um, in the Snyder cut of Justice League, we are introduced to the dark side character Mm -hmm. um but that kind of disappointed me because we're introduced to him but he is defeated he's introduced and defeated um and like this is like the baddest motherfucker in the universe right so i was like oh like what the hell and you know in stark contrast how are we introduced to thanos we're introduced to thanos when he fights the hulk right um so there was all this build-up right we, we we get that post-credit scene in avengers one like oh who's this guy who's this big purple dude right and then we see glimpses of him throughout mm-hmm. the mcu and then finally in infinity war we see him ready to rock and roll ready to do battle and who does he fight none other than the incredible hulk and he fucking kicks the Hulk's ass, like, and it's not even close. And right away, you're like, holy shit, this guy is a bad motherfucker, right? Yeah. And yeah. instantly, you're like, okay, the Avengers have a bona fide supervillain who is going to be giving them all kinds of problems. So, what about Kang? We're introduced to him in this movie, and he's defeated by Ant Man. <laughs> so, like, I, I can't help but feel like, well, I'm not scared of this dude, right? Like, if, if Ant-Man can beat him, the entire Avengers squad can certainly defeat him, right? So, yeah, oh, man, I, I was, like, running storylines through my head, and all, every storyline that ran through my head I thought was better than what ended up in this movie. <laughs> but basically, I was thinking that, okay, the the heroes would would survive slash win but they certainly wouldn't kill kang and that's what happened in this movie they killed kang the conqueror mm-hmm. um maybe they they use PIM particles in a resourceful way and they escape the situation maybe they trap kang in some sort of like um alternate universe um and we all know he's going to get out of it at some point but for now they've They've stopped the thread and they've trapped him. Something like that, right? Um, but they just straight up beat him and they kill him. And it's like, that's it? They, they, like, this is the guy that they're supposed to be building all these movies up to and and having, you know, this big showdown with the entire Avengers team? Like, mm-hmm. no, man. Like, eh, it, it just... It didn't sit well. It didn't sit well at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my thought... Was like, uh, maybe Kang really shouldn't have been the big bad guy that they focused on. Maybe he should have been more like, because um, like in the trailer, they it was like, Scott, I have a deal for you. I can, you know, I can give you more time. Me and I thought like, okay, what if Kang didn't even come off like a villain until the after credits, where it's like, haha, you've fallen for my ruse in a way. Mm. Um and they don't actually fight. Modoc is the villain, the big mm. villain. He's got the beef with Scott. You know, he's he's the well known guy. Like, he's he could be the one doing all the bad stuff in the quantum realm. And he's the one that fights Scott at the end. And I think like he's uncanny and goofy enough, I think, to work with Ant-Man. And I think yeah. they played off each other in a fun way. Whereas Kang would have been more of the wild card that comes mm-hmm. in at the end of maybe maybe Scott does take the deal and it's something turns out bad like a kind of a monkey's paw moment mm-hmm. and Kang's like okay now's my time and then like look out he's coming in the next Avengers or whatever or in a yeah. later movie
1: I, I would have been yeah. okay with that like yeah. I, I mm-hmm. you know like to answer your question Christian I think king was a good villain for this ant-man movie i just think the writing was bad i feel Mm -hmm. like i feel like kane makes sense to put him in the quantum realm storyline with ant-man because i just don't see king working in like black panther or guardians of the galaxy or even captain marvel too like i feel like logically speaking i think kane makes the most sense within the quantum realm with ant-man but it just could have been written so so much better yeah agreed Mm -hmm.
2: agreed
0: (laughs) okay so what else maybe we can just get into random thoughts doesn't have to be positives or negatives um any other thoughts about this movie ant-man 3
1: well, yeah. I have a okay. Right, I have go for it. Go for it. Okay, I guess I have two questions. Let me ask the first question. Um, because I guess somebody was trying to clarify something, and I was trying having the hardest time helping them find the answer. But what is the difference between the quantum realm, the dark dimension, and Doctor Strange, and like the multiverse, like with the TVA in Loki? Oh yeah, like, like I, f- I think there's like overlapping elements, but like yeah, what
2: I guess like is the difference <laughs> between all three? Because <laughs> I guess my thought uh was that the quantum realm is completely s- subatomic. It's you know it's smaller than atoms, but it almost seems like being smaller than an atom is almost like a portal into its own little pocket dimension. Yeah. Uh, and that's my guess. Um, the dark dimension from Dr. Strange. That was, it was that the one in the first one, right? Where, um, Uh where Mamu lived. Um, I always uh, considered that one, its own specific dimension, similar to, um, I'm gonna make a Zelda reference. It's the Dark World from Zelda, or the where you just have the evil kind of beings are being kept. Um, it's its own separate universe of evil and darkness. <laughs> Very descriptive, but um, <laughs> the it, but it's more magical. Like I'd say, like Ant Man is tech tech feeling Sci- magical science science. science. Uh-huh. Dark dimension is fully magic timelines um, and different universes in that way are I guess tech based because um, but it, it's almost like a everything you do in this world is similar to a different world but you might do something different in that world or some there's another factor um, in that kind of more Rick and Morty sense. Where there's like infinite universes here and you can you can hop between the different universes where you're still going to Earth and there's still a version of Earth but it's different. Whereas the dark dimension there's no Earth and the quantum realm there's no Earth. They're their own worlds. That's my guess. Is that does that make any sense? Or does that all sound like gibberish?
1: No, I think I mean <laughs> It's the quantum, <laughs> it's these universes. They all you say gibberish, and I think that's logical sense. <laughs> yeah, it's fantasy <laughs> lore, you know,
0: that's comic yeah. books. It's uh-huh. all really out there. Um, that said, my take I think is similar but slightly different. Um, to me, the quantum realm is like the subatomic world of this universe. This, year, this universe being, I guess, what we can call the main continuity Marvel Universe, Earth 616, perhaps you could say. Um, but it is specific to this universe, right? Um, so, theoretically, in the multiverse, each universe could have its own quantum realm, I suppose. Uh, so, that's how I read it. It's not like there's one and one only one and only one quantum realm. I, I feel like there could be a separate one in each universe of the multiverse. And then the dark dimension, kind of like what you're saying, Christian, it's its own universe, but I've seen it described specifically as the void within the multiverse between universes. So um, there isn't like an infinite an- amount of dark dimension. That's like I've, a- Said the space between the universes. So that's I like that. kind of one and only. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of how I read it. All this multiverse stuff is really out there. So you could read it in a lot of different ways, but uh, that's kind of my take.
1: Okay. Makes sense. Um, I guess my follow- follow-up okay, question then was like, where do you see like the... With what played out in Ant Man, how that, um, th- what kind of direction do you see like the the multiverse saga, or like yeah the being played out within the MCU?
0: I'll take a crack at this. So, all right, I kind of like what you were saying earlier, Christian, about how it's just a total bummer that this Kang was defeated and killed. Because now what do we have? We have essentially two Kang variants who've been killed. So if you bring either one of them back, it's, I don't know, it's kind of stupid. (laughs) We've seen it again and again. So, okay, they're bringing them back. Oh, same old Marvel bullshit. So there's that possibility. There's also this other possibility that the Avengers aren't going to be fighting Kang the Conqueror or He Who Remains, or any single version of this guy, but rather an army of Kangs. And that's what the ending of this movie kind of hints at, right? The Avengers aren't going to fight Kang the Conqueror. They're not going to fight Immortus, or He Who Remains, or whatever. They're going to fight every Kang variant, right? Um, And that kind of bums me out too, (laughs) because... I would much rather see the Avengers take on a singular badass Kang
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: because an army of Kang kind of reminds me of what? Kind of reminds me of Age of Ultron, where the Avengers didn't fight one Ultron. They fought, well, they didn't fight one all powerful Ultron. They kind of fought an army of pretty weak ass Ultrons, right? That's so, so lame, man. Ultron is so badass in the comics. I wanted to see like the Avengers against this one invincible robot. Right. But instead we got this army of like pretty weak ass robots and it wasn't that interesting to me. So I kind of see the same thing playing out a bit. Like the, the Avengers taking on an army of Kangs um, maybe they'll find a, a better way to go about it, but that that's kind of what it seems like, uh, we're we're headed for here so yeah kind of a bummer in my opinion
2: yeah um it's also kind of hard to i think to plot whereas the infinity saga i think because it's centered around the stones and movies will tie back in to the stone either like a stone or if it's not it's a new member of the avengers that they're going to hype up that'll Lead into the big crossover. Uh, whereas this one, there's no like s- singular like item or items that they're like after. So it, it's like kind of hard to see like where they're gonna go next and what the next multiverse idea they're gonna bring in will be. Because it's mm-hmm. also possible they might not even revisit the idea until Avengers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Because... What do you think, Perferio? Or, or sorry, did you have a no, last I'm, thought I'm all, on that?
2: Uh, uh, no, I'm all done. What do you, what do you think, Porfirio? <laughs> what do. I think. No. Um. I think.
1: You know, like I, I, I think. I guess the reason why I asked the question earlier about like the multiverse, the dark dimension, the quantum realm. I think there's going to be like overlaps within all three of those. Um. Dimensions or spaces, just because you know, like it was hinted at the end of Doctor Doctor Strange Two, you know, like they need to go back into the dark dimension, you know, and so I feel like that's going to be a little bit because you know the multiverse was um, explored within that uh, the second film with Scarlet Witch and the Darkhold and everything and America Chavez, so I feel like that's going to play a little bit of its role for. Um, that hint that, like, Cleo, like, reached out to uh, Stephen Strange. Um, but then, like, you go back to, like, other films, like, um like, Miss Marvel and the team up with Captain Marvel, you know, like, and Shang-Chi, you know, the Ten Rings. There's, like, some kind of, like, exploration between, like, those, like, uh, pieces of uh, jewelry that um, Shang-Chi and Miss Marvel have that have like some kind of like cosmic connection I feel like within maybe a multiverse sense um, yeah. so I just feel like there's like these like little elements within like all these like films that are gonna kind of like overlap within the multiverse you know and it's just going to be, like, a big, like, I think that's kind of what, you know, leads up to, like, Secret Wars, you know, like, this, like, mm-hmm. big, like, all these universes kind of, like, collapsing um against one another, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good take, Perferio. Uh, um, I was thinking something along those lines where, well, if Kang is going to be uh, the Thanos of, of the next avengers um event then these ancient relics could be the infinity stones right um the 10 rings Mm -hmm. the dark hold miss marvel's bracelets like um you know i could see that right and there there might be some more to come too right so um maybe that's where where we're headed in that respect possibly we shall see yeah um I had a couple random thoughts. Um, sounds like we're in agreement on a lot with this movie. One thing I would say I'm in a bit of a disagreement on is, I know, prefer you, you mentioned how the story kind of kept you going. You were captivated. I, I really was not into the story of this movie. It, <laughs> it kind of lost me kind of early. And I, I felt a lot of it was... Like spectacle over substance, and I just didn't really care what what happened in the movie a whole lot. Um, that said, there were a couple of moments that were kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> this is kind of random, but uh, there's a moment when um, when uh, Cassie Lang grows huge, right? She becomes stature essentially, right? And um, she and Scott Lang kind of geek out about it afterward, right? They're like, "Oh, I can't believe that! I can't believe I did that!" And, <laughs> and they're just like, "I did that too," you know. Um, and she's like, "Oh, I kind of I have this weird craving for for limes, right?" And then Scott's like, "Oh yeah, that whole like citrus thing." <laughs> you guys, did you guys catch that reference mm-hmm. and what yeah. it's referring to?
1: Yeah. Like how uh, he, he wanted oranges in Civil War?
0: That's right. Yeah. So when he became Giant Man in in Civil War, he was ultimately defeated. And then afterward, he's all beat up. And he's like, does anyone have any orange slices? Yeah. I never understood what that meant. I, I, I thought it was kind of funny, but... I don't know. I don't know why he said it. But now I know why. <laughs> so it's like a, a callback many years ago, and uh, apparently, uh, becoming giant makes you crave citrus. So <laughs> that was a, a cool little aha moment. <laughs> and then this is kind of corny too. Um, at the very end of the movie, uh, when the credits roll, I don't know if you guys caught this before or after, but. In in the title of the movie Quantum Mania, apparently the letters Ant Man A N T M A N are in Quantum Mania. Oh, right?
2: yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it, it was kind of like a like an aha sort of
1: moment." Like,
0: uh... <laughs> kind of ch- cheesy, but uh, I'm telling you, like that's how like disinterested i was in the story of this movie these like little moments were were some of my biggest takeaways and <laughs> and some of the, the highlights uh, <laughs> in terms of uh cool reveals <laughs> but yeah like if you look at the poster just look at the poster inside quantum mania you can see the letters a n t m a n and it, it kind of makes you feel like oh that's why they called it Quantum Mania because Ant-Man is literally Ant- in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anything else here?
1: I feel like this movie, like, you know, we talked about Ant-Man and King. Yeah. And, you know, Henry, you talked about Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet character. I feel like there was just a lot of, like, no character development with a lot of these characters. All of these characters felt like they were just placed in here because... Marvel had to place him in here. Like, there was just no character development. I cared for none of these characters, you know? Like, Hank Pym, I feel like, had a large role in the first two films. In this one, he was kind of, like, that kind of, like, mad scientist who, like, has this connection of the ants. Um, uh, Modoc was just ridiculous by the end. Um, Bill Murray. You know, I feel like he's very forgettable character that we haven't talked about. You know, oh, like yeah. he his character was just so forgettable. Like, I feel like it just did not need to be included. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like there were just so many characters that were you just didn't care for. It. Like, I guess even the the outside of Scott Lang and king i guess the only characters i really cared for were the the refugee um characters you know mm-hmm. that like were part of the rebellion i was like oh i hope they get away and then when they start their rebellion, i was like oh again because i thought like king was going to destroy. Them. i was like oh no don't don't um be part of this you're gonna die or something you yeah. know but um there's just a lot of elements within the film that i just did not care for
2: yeah, like, like for a movie, it, the movie's called Ant Man and the Wasp. And it feels like the Wasp didn't really have a lot to do in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. Hope,
2: Hope was just kind yeah. of there to help out Scott for some action beats. And it's like, that's all, that's kind of all she was able to do in the movie.
1: Yeah. Like, compared to the second movie, like, her role, like, she didn't have that much, like, dialogue. And even, like, the parts where she, was supposed to, I guess, like stand out. It just felt very forced, you know. Like there's that scene where she comes back through the portal and like helps Scott defeat King. I was like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: really? I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's how Scott defeats her because of Wasp. Like, I was like, I don't care. Or like when she's like when Ant Man's Giant Man and runs through like to get to King, and she's like right there on his shoulder. I was like. Come on, like I feel like hope from like the first film would have been like, I'm gonna take lead instead of like I'll be your sidekick, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just did not feel like the same hope from the first two films.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you wonder if the wasp in the title, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, is referring referring to the original wasp, Janet Van Dyne, not the new wasp. Hope dying. Right? Yeah,
2: she she had a lot more to do in this movie. Yeah, she yeah. did. Yeah. I'll, you do. Know, oh, <laughs> no, no, go ahead because I'm gonna
1: like ramble on something. Go, go, Christian.
2: Oh, okay. I guess I just wanted to make a quick aside. Like, I know she had a lot more to do in this movie. I I was like, like, kind of annoyed that like the first half of the movie was just, uh, or was just, I can't talk about the quantum room oh yeah like what <laughs> like can you tell us what's going on no there's no time <laughs> we're just gonna walk in silence for <laughs> for a period of time and i'm not gonna tell you anything
1: but it i'm
2: protecting you <laughs> you know called, like
1: yeah that's called therapy
2: <laughs> 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 that's
0: a good point i mean it kind of made sense that she didn't talk about it when they were on Earth, but once they were there, you would think she would kind of open up about it, right? But she was still saying, staying tight-lipped about it. Um, but hey, real quick, um, I, I, I like what you said earlier about a lot of the cast having kind of nothing to do. you <laughs> like uh-huh. this, it's a pretty big cast, and yeah, I felt the same way about having characters in it just for the sake, sake of having them, or maybe being forced to have them like, okay, you gotta have Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and all these other characters. But I mean, it didn't really serve the story that well. Right. I mean, I mean, what did Hank Pym do in this movie? Like, like he, most of the movie, he was just figuring out how to fly that weird plane. Right. With his hands. Mm -hmm. So his, his character arc was literally Could not fly a plane with hands. And then in the end, could fly a plane with hands. (laughs) And was like, yay. (laughs) That was about it. I guess it was kind of cool at the very end when he brings like the army of technologically advanced ants. And it's a bit of a fan service moment, right? Because, you know, I don't know if there are a lot of Ant-Man comics fans out there, but I would think those uh, of you who are um tend to be Hank Pym fans not so much Scott Lang fans right because you know most of Ant-Man yeah. stories in comics are Hank Pym and he he kind of has this moment here where not only does he kind of save the day but he he does his ant thing it's not just about shrinking and growing it's about controlling ants right and that's kind of a lot of what the original Ant-Man stories were him controlling ants and using them to to beat villains so it's like okay, kind of cool fan service, but didn't really serve the story. I and mean, I and all the Cassie Lang stuff is kind of like that too. Like, oh, they're setting her up for for a Young Avengers team up, and oh, it's stature, and she's got a costume, and ooh, let's get excited. But you know, and for, for for this story, for this movie, like, you know, I couldn't really care less about what she did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, go, so going off, Christian, when were talking about Janet, there were, okay, so there's, I guess, like two observations I made about the character. One was like, what happened to that fucking, like, quantum realm superpower she had in the second film?
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> but which one is that? I, I don't remember. Like, because remember, like, okay, so the whole point of the second film was to get Janet, right? Yeah, but then Ghost also wanted to get to Janet, and then when like Janet comes out of the quantum realm, she uses like she like this like quantum realm like power to like fix Ghost, you know, from like um phasing.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So I was kind of like in this film, I was like, "Where's that superpower?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like she spends all these years in the quantum realm, like getting radiation or whatever like whatever you want to call it like this like superpower and then like none of it's like shown within hmm. the film yeah
0: oh interesting good point good point yeah it uh-huh. seemed like her time in the quantum realm was helpful in that she networked a lot but that's yeah. about it no superpowers <laughs> uh-huh.
1: yeah and then good i call. guess um i read this like kind of as like a foreshadowing for um thunderbolts um but like so you know going talking about ghosts again you know Ghost is as we already know gonna be a member of the thunderbolts
0: right right right
1: but you know she, one she's not talked about in this film mm-hmm. but the last time we saw Ghost, um again it's like janet and michael douglas telling her like i'll help you um kind of like figure out a solution to your problem and everything. And, and then like, you know, Ant Man the Wasp like ends with like Janet um disappearing, you know,
0: mm-hmm. for, right.
1: for, for five years. Right, from the blip. Yeah, from the blip. Yep. And so I was reading this like online theory that like what if ghosts didn't disappear and had to like suffer because Janet was not gone, because Janet promised ah, her to help her, right. and so mm. and so then she was like, "Fuck trusting these superheroes." I'm gonna like be a bad guy again. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Like I I was dreaming that like that's a motive or whatever. Yeah. To why like Ghost joins the the Thunderbolts again. I can see that. Mm, yeah, I like that.
0: All right. oh, Go ahead, Rafael.
1: No, I was just going to say, there was just, like, a lot. Of, I guess, like, you know, this comes of like, the territory of, like, writing such a big universe. But there were just, I feel like, a little bit, like, you know, fans just calling out, like, the small details, like, what about this? Or what about this? You know, like, and a lot of it was just very, like, much, like, evident in this film.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, hey, real quick, before we go to our ratings, uh, maybe we should talk about the post-credit scenes a bit. What were the post-credit scenes in this movie? Oh, we kind of talked about one already, where we see basically a whole army of Kangs, right? And um, yeah, interesting, I suppose. But I think all of us are a little bit disappointed that you know the the king the conqueror <laughs> was defeated and it could potentially be an army of of maybe not as powerful kings taking on the avengers um what about the the second post credit scene you guys remember that mm-hmm. what was that
1: it was another variant of king but like as a scientist on earth Mm-hmm. And you have in in the in the audience um, Loki and um, Morbius, right? That's his name, right? Oh, um, uh, Mobius, I think his name is Mobius, yeah. not, Mobius. <laughs> not Morbius. Owen oh, Wilson, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Um, and how they're just like this guy's, or like Owen Wilson's character is like this guy's not a threat, you know? Yeah, like and Loki's like, uh, 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 don't let like um uh like appearances fool you you know mm-hmm. and so i feel like obviously that's setting up loki season 2 which is supposed to come out this year um, yeah but i feel like that's going to help hopefully explain the whole like king and multiverse saga storyline and mm-hmm. if they just defeat another King variant in Loki season two, I'm going to be like, I'm over this King is not <laughs> the big baddie. we were promised promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Clearly this scene was um, promoting Loki season two, um, but I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like old timey America also. Right. Like it feels like, I don't know the thirties or something. Yeah. Um, and um it has a really cool look to it. And uh yeah, it, it just it just looked interesting and you know I'm looking forward to Loki season two for sure. Although I do agree with you, Raverio, like don't let it just be another like Loki taking out another king variant type thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh any thoughts on on this post-credit scene, Christian?
2: It's like I wonder if there's something involving the origin of Kang here. Mm. Like in this Kang Mm -hmm. in the MCU, like something where they kind of witness something happen where he kind of gets these multiversal powers and is able to kind of move outside time in a way and move through timelines. And this is kind of where he starts, you know, and that's why he kind of looks so he looks very innocuous He's just one guy um, here, or he, he. this is just a different variant that might be might be more of like a quote-unquote hero or like anti-hero throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope rather than just being the big bad at the end of the season. Yeah. If they're going to keep using Kang. Right on
0: all right let's get to our ratings how would you rate ant-man and the wasp quantum mania on a scale of one to five
1: any volunteers wait and then i would add to go ahead besides the rating where does this fall among the other ant-man films oh
2: okay. Oh, okay i like that
0: too yeah yeah um yeah any volunteers to go first
2: hmm i guess i'll go first like mm-hmm. um the the first one i think is still the best i think there's something about the first one that just works Definitely. um the second one i think tries to re- recreate the charm i haven't seen it in many you know since it, you really came out the second one really tries to recreate that charm but i don't think it really works in the, uh, nearly as well as the first one um the third one it feels like a much bigger departure from the first two in terms of tone and style and what it wants to do with the Ant-Man character. And in ways it's more ambitious. And while I feel like the third one kind of falls flat a little more, uh, like, I feel like I may have liked it a little more than the second. But uh, they're they're pretty close. With well, The first one is, I think there's a big gap between those two and the first one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm thinking this one might be a little better, but uh, we'll see how time we'll see how time goes on and I feel about (laughs) this one. Uh
0: Cool. Oh, what's your uh, your rating? Uh,
2: My rating is also a little hard on this one. I think that (laughs) it's. I wouldn't really call this my least favorite Marvel movie or any of my least favorites. I think of where I kind of am. Um, There's some, there's a word that Rainier kind of is, has kind of said that I'm going to throw out there again, the Mick Marvel. And I think we've seen, we've kind of talked about seeing these tropes over and over and kind of ways that the stories just kind of don't really work. It seems like for every good thing we said, we've kind of said two bad things, you know? And I think I, I also wonder if this movie had come out a few years ago, I probably would have liked it a lot more than I do now. Mm-hmm. I think that it, well, there is like, there's a lot of times where this movie feels a little tired. Like it's kind of, it feels like it's playing tropes that I've seen many times before. It feels like it's seen. It's, it's doing things that I, I've totally kind of looked past in other movies kind of forgiven, but I, I feel like I've seen them so many times that this is the one where I'm like, okay, uh, all right, this is too much. Even though I had I still had a good time, even though I still think that um this was no, yeah, it's not a Marvel movie. It's kind of like it feels like a very kind of middle of the road movie, but there because it's a kind of the just the middle of the road very McMarvely kind of movie. It's yeah, it, there's very disappointing because it did not really feel like the big start to phase 3 that we all wanted. There's a mm-hmm. level of disappointment in this movie even if it's not the even if it's not you know it's not the worst uh personally and i liked it better than the last ant-man and probably a few other movie a few other marvel movies but but it's kind of for that that i just can't help but think yeah this movie's kind of a one out of five this movie oh, wow. is Ooh. yeah this movie needs <laughs> to kind of get hit with that because it's it's like kind of i think where you know i think this movie was supposed to be kind of the big turning point or kind of a middling phase four, but it feels like it kind of doubles down a little too hard on phase four's problems. Mm-hmm. And the, it doesn't really show the growth that we, I think we want to see in the universe mm-hmm. and with the product, you know? And I think mm-hmm. in order to go back to, to quote the great Spider-Man one, they need to take it back to formula. <laughs> yeah. Let me, Christian, let me
1: ask you one more question. Like, yeah. I think right now Rotten Tomatoes scores it as a Mm fifty-four, which is makes this film tied as the least uh film with the Eternals. Like, do you think it deserves that? Like last, like worst reviewed of the
2: MCU films. Um. Because, like I said, there, there's definitely. It's definitely not my f- least favorite one. I think if there was quite, a, there's quite a few Marvel movies that I can think of off the top of my head that I think if you put Ant Man, Quantum or this one, which one would I rather watch? I'd probably pick Quantumania. Okay. Some that I probably have scored a two in the past. Um, so I don't think it's the worst, but I do think it, it's it shows kind of. A trend you know it kind of shows that these kind of tropes are i think worn out you know it shows that the structures worn out the McMarvel okay. isn't as good as it used to taste because it feels <laughs> mm. like it's pulling it, it's still pulling from the same bag that we've seen and i think because phase four especially last year it feels like we never left the marvel cinematic universe so these kind of tropes are a little it feels like we've already we've seen them so much because have we ha- we, ha- we just we ha- we've been seeing them all the time for the last year you know okay mm-hmm.
0: yeah good take good take and um yeah like we mentioned about how that that Marvel formula just isn't tasting so good anymore <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of a sad sad reality but we're kind of feeling that a bit um so uh here on the podcast we do like to End on a positive note, so maybe Porfirio, you can go last <laughs> uh, on this. Um, I'm gonna give my take, um, okay. not particularly positive as well. I'm gonna go with the two, though, not as low as a one. I'll go with the two, and um, yeah, I mean, along, along the lines of what we've been talking about, in the movie is more spectacle than substance. It fails as an exciting Kang the Conqueror intro because of what ultimately happens to that character. Um, And I don't know, bottom line is that it just wasn't that interesting. And, um, you know, Marvel Studios has set a high bar and um, this movie did not reach that bar. And I walked away um feeling like uh i i didn't get i didn't i didn't get my uh marvel geek out moment that i was hoping for uh so two out of five and um so uh you're asking about the you know where does it fall on the Mm -hmm. the ant-man scale uh so uh you know i've i've kind of stated my opinion on ant-man movies before i'm not the biggest fan and this is something i've stated quite a while ago but i'm sticking with this i feel like ant-man in the mcu works much much better as a side character than a main character Uh, you look at scott lang in civil war and scott lang in avengers endgame fantastic. Love it. Paul Rudd is a great character act- actor. He is very funny. Um, it's like uh, the the drama and the seriousness of those movies are countered by his comedy and his ability to, to lighten up scenes and that sort of thing. Um, but I really feel like Ant-Man is a main character. I just have never been able to get behind that. All three Ant-Man movies I do not recommend. Um and they're they're all kind of in the same camp. Like I don't like despise them, um, but uh none of them I particularly care for. If I had to rate them, I'd probably go, and this is kind of unconventional, I would think, but I would go Ant Man and the Wasp, then Ant-Man, then ant-man and the wasp quantum mania so that would be my order though like i said they're all along the same lines and i think the the main reason why i would put quantum mania at the bottom is that it's actually the least comedic of the three right we i think we talked about that a little bit how um this movie um takes the ant-man series into a little bit more serious territory and um yeah like not as fun you know like uh the reason why i didn't totally despise the first two and really the third one also is that they are comedic right and um they're they're kind of fun you know i just felt like this is this one was the least fun of the three Mm -hmm. so that's me uh how about you preferio
1: yeah, wow, well, you, you, you did call it. I probably will end this on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, yeah, like like i you know, throughout the podcast episode I've been listing like what I thought I what I didn't enjoy from this film. Um but let me just rate it in comparison to the other two anime films. The first one is just going to always have a special place in my heart, so that's place number one. And then in the number two spot is probably going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp Pantamani is going to be number three. And I guess the big reason why I put Ant-Man and the Wasp in the number two spot is just because of um, which one would I... If, like, both of them were on on TV at the same time, which one would I switch to watching again? And I would say Ant-Man the Wasp just because there's more character development with the Wasp character and Mm -hmm. there just exists that comedic element within the Ant-Man film that the franchise um, captures, you know? And I feel like that was really, really missing with ant-man the wasp like there had there is this like this serious connection with king and that does intrigue me but the way how it turns out the end is just a really big fast like turn off you know like you could only handle that for so much whereas ant-man the wasp there was just like this like comedic thing throughout the film like like the villain is nothing compared to king ghost is nothing compared to king but I think just the comedic elements within the second film just makes it more enjoyable and re re-watch- rewatchable. Mm-hmm. So that's why I um, placed that higher, the second film higher than the third film. Um, in terms of rating, I would give this film a three stars out of five. Um, like it's so funny, yeah. Like now, even when people ask me for like, my thoughts on the film, it's so hard to be like, tell them how good it was, because it was not good. <laughs> but it was, I didn't think it was bad. I'm just like, eh, it's okay. But I still would recommend to go watch this film in theaters, just because there are cute comedic moments. Jonathan does a major great um, performance as King. And I feel like maybe we just don't see it now, but I feel like this will set up and continue the multiverse storyline for phase five and six. And um, so that's why I still recommend watching it. And um, I don't, yeah, I don't agree with Ron Timmy that this was the worst film. I think. Love and Thunder definitely was worse than this, um, but I it wasn't the best film. You know, like I said, it, I had a lot of problems with it, but I had a good time with it. Yeah,
0: excellent. Yeah, I can attest. I remember after the movie, we did a little huddle, and I I could tell you you had. A good time watching this movie you enjoyed yourself um i was definitely not <laughs> sharing, sharing the enthusiasm as much but
2: uh you know apparently, you apparently, had fun. Cr- apparently christian wasn't either <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently not
2: but i guess well but, the movie's but, still fun i'll say that like he, i still had fun watching it but he's the only one who's seen it a second time Yes, <laughs> there you go. so I, I guess watch it again and you'll you'll kind of see what I'm getting at. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, shoot, we had a whole segment on positives, and we all had positive things to say about it. So it's not completely void of anything redeemable, right? So uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, th- there are there are some fun moments in it. So uh, there I you think, have
2: it. One say a. a a positive trend I've seen is that Marvel is stepping up their villain game. I think the villains are more have become more standout characters. I think Yellow Jacket was always like the character in the first Ant Man is like, ah, Marvel always has lame villains that always get killed off. Mm-hmm. And while, of course, we were pretty mad that Kang gets killed off, we we're like, "Damn, Jonathan Majors really killed it! I can't wait to see what he does next."
0: that's a good point yeah i remember earlier with marvel studios that was um a big criticism about how the villains were on the weak side right um but recently you know it's been kind of a mixed bag movie wise but villain wise we've gotten namor Modoc, Tang. i mean you know i I would agree with that that Marvel's been stepping it up a bit with villains, so hopefully that trend continues. All right, with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry, Porfirio, and Christian.